All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here this morning, your smiling faces. Get your Bibles out if you would. Joshua chapter 10 is where we're going to start here this morning. Joshua chapter 10. And we're going to jump right into the story where you, we're going to see what happens here with Joshua and the Israelites here. But this is after, if you know any of the story of the Old Testament of the Israelites coming out of slavery after five generations um, Moses takes them out and delivers them by the mighty hand of God. And they travel through the desert to the promised land all the way to right to the edge. But um, when the people began to see what's on the other side where the God said, this is going to be your place, this is going to be your home. They got a little afraid and decided they, didn't wait, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Well, God wasn't very happy about that. And so he sent them back in the desert for another 40 years until that generation passed. And then they finally bring, Moses finally brings them back to that, that line again to the promised land. And, and Moses can't cross because of his own disobedience. So Joshua takes over and they head then into the promised land. They head, first of all, they, they, they come encounter with the first city, which is Jericho, this enormous city. And God gives them a strategy for how to defeat that city. And through a very dramatic way, you see the hand of God move there. And then as a result of their disobedience, they come to another city, which should be easy, a city called Ai. But because of some people's disobedience, they get routed when they confront that city. And finally, they repent and turn to God and they have a victory there too. And so this is where we are. Joshua chapter 10 Verse 1, look at this, you can follow along the screen as well. It says, Adonai Zadak, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the town of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard of this because Gibeon was a large town, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai. And the Gibeonite men were strong warriors. So King Adonai Zadak of Jerusalem sent messengers to several other kings, Hoham of Hebron, Piram of Yarmuth, and Yafia of Blackish, and Debir of Eglon. Come and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged them, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined their armies for a united attack. They moved all of their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. Then the men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us. For all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, Lord, said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand, able to stand up to you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horam, killing them along the way to Azekah and Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. And the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. On that day, the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. It is, this, is this event not recorded in the book of Yashar? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set on, as on a normal day. There had never been a day like this one before or since. When the Lord answered such a prayer, surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. We've been doing a series around here that we've called Leap, Stepping into Audacious Faith. And we've been talking about how living for God requires that you and I have audacious faith. That word audacious means one who is bold or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. And so audacious faith is the stuff that triggers ordinary people like you and me to start living with extraordinary or unusual boldness. It's what causes us to start living with confident disregard for the status quo in our lives and in the world that we all live in. And so throughout the series, we've been looking at guys like Jabez and Peter and, and um and even here, the story of Joshua, people who exercise their faith by praying some pretty audacious prayers. 
But I don't know about you, but for me, the problem, and maybe you can relate to us, the more I look at the prayers of the men and women of faith in the Bible, the more I feel like that my prayers are pretty shallow and pointless and even obtuse. The prayers that I tend to make, when you look at these audacious prayers, it makes me kind of sit back and think, you know, I, I, I don't know if I know how to pray. My prayers tend just tend to be so pointless and, and, so, and so limited by what I think and what I think is possible. I have a video I want you to watch here this morning. Let's watch this here together. I think the way we pray is, it, prayer, is a, prayer is a powerful thing, but I think it's when you grow up in church, it's just you hear prayers all the time in different styles and stuff, and little quirks that people have when they pray. I don't know, little phrases that I don't understand to this day. But we use the phrases, but we, that's just what we heard growing up. We think that's just the right thing to say when we pray, you know, like hedge of protection. You ever hear that? I hear that a lot. Hedge of protection. Damn, we are praying a hedge of protection around you, buddy. That's right, a hedge. Around you and your whole family. A hedge, huh? I don't mean to complain. Is that the best you can do? How about a thick cement wall? With some razor wire on top of that bad boy. Hedge, protect a good set of clippers, get right through that thing. I'm sure the devil's got a set of those. I mean, you think a hedge is going to scare the devil away? What is this greenery? I can't get through that. Move that bush. My greatest weakness is landscaping. How did they know? That's how the devil walks like this. Whoa. He has a pointy tail. He doesn't want to step on his tail. Some people, like when they pray, they get nervous and they say just too much. You know, you're praying in small groups, like, Lord, I just want to just, we just, we just come to just in spirit. Just, we just, just in justliness and justification. And just, we say just, and we just. And you're like, just finish the prayer. You're just not ready for this. Start stacking chairs. Come back next week and cry again. My dad does this when he prays. He uses father way too much when he prays. Father, we come to your father and it's fair to father. Father, you are father. We come to your father. Father, just, just, father, father, just, 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 father, father. You don't talk to your friends like that. Ed, Ed, come over, Ed, 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 Ed. You are Ed, 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 Ed. Ooh, Ed, 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 Ed. He wouldn't be your friend anymore if you did that. Like he keeps saying, Ed, my name's Joe. The best, though, is the way people, where they pray over food. That's the funniest. The way we pray over food. We don't know why we say it. You ever heard this one? Lord, bless this food and the hands that prepared it. The hands that prepared it. Why not the whole body? No. Just the hands. Jurassic Park. <laughs> Best, I love this one over food. Sometimes we pray over food and ask God to make up for our bad choices when we eat. That's funny. <laughs> no matter what it is, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord, bless this bag of Cheetos. And this jumbo Dr. Pepper Lord somehow make this nourish us in some way. I don't know how you're going to do it, Father, but we just trust in you now. Father, change the molecular structure of this food. This complete trash we're about to shove in our gully. Change the Cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down. Spirit of low carb, rain down on me now. I'm praying a hedge of protection around my pancreas, Lord. Intervene. 
<laughs> you're, you're laughing so much because you do it, right? Come on. I mean, when you stop and think about it, isn't it true? We pray some pretty silly, even stupid prayers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to laugh all the time when I hear, maybe even it comes out of my mouth, where I say, Lord, um, please be with us. It sounds spiritual. It sounds great. But think of how silly that is. I mean, the, the Bible describes for us that God is with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And when two or three are gathered together, he is there in our midst. And so it's, it's, like, it's like I look at Alan and I, and I say, Alan, Alan, be with me. Be, be, with, be with me right here. I, I need you to be with me, right? And he is standing right there. He is with me. You see how silly that God is with us? You don't need to pray that he's with you. He already is. Can you pray something a little bit better? <laughs> you know, now that he's with you, what do you want him to do? But it's like we, we, we lob up these, these spiritual-sounding prayers in the atmosphere, just hoping that some way, somehow, it will provide some sort of positive impact into our lives. When we talk about audacious faith, praying an audacious prayer requires more than just asking God to give you the best parking space at the mall. It requires more than just asking God to, to what we just hear to bless this taco that you're eating to the nourishment and the strength of your body. When you think about audacious prayers wrapped with an urgency and it's filled with possibility, not based upon your own desires or what you think is possible, but it's based on the bigness of God and what he has already spoken. It's in response to what he has already said. And the reality for so many of us, this is a whole new way to pray. For so many of us as little kids, we were told to pray, now I lay me not down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep or, you know, all the, all the different prayers of, that we pray at, at, the, at the dinner table. We're, we're pray these, we've kind of taken on these kind of rote prayers that have some sort of spiritual sounding sense, but there's no urgency to them. It has nothing to do with the bigness of God. It's nothing to do with praying in response to what God has already said. I love how Dr. David Wells defines prayer. He says, prayer is rebellion against the status quo. Let that one sink into you for a little bit. Prayer is rebellion against the status quo. So when you think about Jabez, that's exactly what Jabez's prayer did. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. It was this audacious prayer that Jabez prayed that started a movement in his life that changed the trajectory of his life and completely changed his legacy. Same was true for Joshua when he prayed, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. It was this audacious prayer that catapulted Joshua and the Israelites into victory, and it prepared the way for them to occupy the promised land. Elijah was the same. Look at this in um, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And that's exactly what happened. It did not rain for three and a half years until Elijah prayed again for it to rain. It was all because of Elijah's audacious prayer. Over and over and over, you see this in the Bible. Men and women of faith who pray audaciously, we see how true this is, that, that, that audacious prayers breaks the status quo in our lives, breaks the things that have been preset for you, and if nothing happens, this is the way your life is going to be. If nothing happens, this is going to be your fate. This is going to be the trajectory of your life. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? It avails much. Think about it. 
The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you look at the men and women of faith in the Bible, we see how true this is. But I think this is where the disconnect happens for you and for me, because for so many of us, when we look at these men and women of faith in the Bible, we raise them to the level of, su- of, of super people, that these are, these are our superheroes. They're abnormal. They're exceptional. And sure, they could pray these effective, fervent prayers that avail much. But as for me... I'm just not like that. I, I, I can't do that. My prayers don't, don't avail hardly anything. But here's where the mistake happens, because that is not how it was supposed to be. That's not how we are created. This is not what God provided for us. And I think one of the greatest tragedies of our generation is that we have taken what was meant to be ordinary, and we've made it to be exceptional. We've taken what the Bible and what God has intended for just to be ordinary. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then this is just ordinary life. And we've taken what is supposed to be ordinary and we've made it to be exceptional. In other words, we put audacious faith on this top shelf out of reach of the average person like you and me. And we've declared it, it's off limits. It's off limits. Only those people who are extraordinary can do it. Only those people that are really, really high up in the kingdom of God, those, those, those pastors or preachers out there, those people that have a, a gift or something out that some, something special about them. Or Marilyn, Marilyn Henry, oh, uh, you have to be like her. If, you, if you're not like her, then you're not going to be able to do that. We, the average person, we don't have audacious faith. I want you to look at how the apostle James kind of jerks the slack out of our chain. Look at this in James chapter 5 or 17. It says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, most of us, I think we focus on the second part of this verse. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain for the land in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Most of us, we look at these verses, and we're stunned by the superior power in Elijah's prayers. And we just hope, we just pray, we just wish that we have an ounce of that power in our prayer life. But listen to me, if that's the focus that you place on the verse, you're missing James's whole point. Because the whole focus of these verses are in the first seven words. Elijah was a man just like us. You see what God was saying? We are just like Elijah. You are just like Elijah. Elijah, I am just like Elijah. There's no difference. There is no difference. This is what Elijah did, which means then this is what we can do. Now think about that. Because Elijah had access to an all-powerful God who could stop and start the rain. Which means you and I have access to an all-powerful God who can stop and start the rain. Joshua had all access to an all-powerful God who could cause the sun and the moon to stand still, which means you and I have access to an all-powerful God who can cause the sun and the moon to stand still. Jabez had access to an all-powerful God who could change the destiny of his life which means you and I have access to an all-powerful God who can change the destiny of our, our lives. The only difference between Joshua and Jabez and Elijah and us, the only difference is that they had the audacity to pray these prayers that lived up to the bigness of God. They had the audacity to pray these prayers that lived up to the bigness of God. And so this morning, I want to give you what I think is the key to praying audacious prayers. When you think about it, it's pretty simple, but I think we miss it all the time. I want to give you that what I think is the key to praying audacious prayers. Look at this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible doesn't say here in these verses. When you're reading your Bible, it's important to know what the Bible says. It's also important to know what the Bible doesn't say. Because I want you to notice what it doesn't say in this. It doesn't say if we ask anything that we desire. Did you see that? It doesn't say that, does it? 
If we ask anything that comes to our thoughts or our, our minds, then, then we have what we've asked. It doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't even say if you ask auda- audaciously, then that's the key. You see that? It doesn't even say that. What does it say? If we ask anything according to what? His will. Not your will, not my will, not your thought, not my thought, but God's thought. If we ask anything according to his will, then we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what it is that we've asked of him. In other words, God wants our agenda to be his agenda. That's what he wants. That's what, that's what he's, trying. he's trying to get us in step with what he's saying and what he is doing. This is really important because God is not obligated to your desires. Oh, you missed that one, didn't you? God's not obligated to your desires. He's not obligated to your thoughts. He's not obligated to your condition. He's not obligated to your will. He's obligated to his word. God is obligated to his word. Look at this in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? See, God's word is everything to him. I mean, just think about it for you and me. Our word is really important to us, Right? Because if I don't follow through on my word, it it exposes an aspect of my character. It's going to keep you from trusting me. The same is for you, right? If you don't follow through on your word, it's going to expose a fault in your character, and you're going to have people have a hard time trusting you. The same is true for God. His word means everything to him because it describes his character, and it allows us to trust him. That's why he's obligated to his word. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Think about that. God actually watches over the earth. He watches what's going on in your life. He watches what's going on in my life. He watches over his word to make sure that it gets performed. He's obligated to perform his word. Not because it's, it's a strong arm thing. It's just because he's spoken. This is what he says. He cannot be not true to his word. Did I say it right? There's a lot of knots in there. He will be true to his word. He's watching over to perform it. He's not watching over your word. He's not watching over your desires. He's watching over his word. He's intent on performing it. That's why the key to praying audacious prayers is knowing God's will and praying his will. It's as simple as that. Praying audaciously is not about you coming up with his grand ideas of things. And doing it confidently or boldly or, or saying the right words. It's simply knowing his will and then praying his will. Let me show you how this might work in your life. Because maybe you're facing a significant decision that will affect the entire direction of your life. And you don't know what to do next. And so maybe your audacious prayer, it might start like this. God, I read in Genesis 12 how you told Abraham to go to the land that you would show him. He didn't know what the final destination would be. But he acted in obedience to what you had said. And as a result, you led him step by step along the way. And in Psalms 32 verse 8, you said you would instruct us and teach us in the way we should go. So Lord, right now, I don't know what that final destination is going to be for me, but I'm going to take the next step that you've told me to take. God, like you led Abraham back then, would you lead me now? Would you give me wisdom? You said, if anybody lacks wisdom, ask. And so God, I'm asking for wisdom. Would you show me the next right thing for me to do? All I did is take scripture, his word and what he's promised to do, and just make that my audacious prayer. Maybe for you, you've been married, you've been unable to have children, and so maybe your audacious prayer starts something like this. God, my spouse and I desperately want to raise godly children who be leaders in their generation for your glory. And I was reading in the Bible about a woman named Hannah. She was really bitter and sad because she didn't have a child. She prayed it to you, and you gave her the desire of her heart. And she dedicated that child to you. Lord, I am asking that you would send a child into our lives. And as you do, I promise to give you the glory and the praise. I want this to be all about you. 
And so if you say no to that, then I trust you that you're wiser than I am because I've built this prayer on the foundation of your sovereignty, not my preferences or my agenda. But God, in accordance with what you've done for others, would you do it for me? All I'm doing is taking what God has said and what he has done, and now I'm making that my audacious prayer. Well, let's say you have a shortage of money or resources and you desperately need God to provide for your family. Instead of going to God and pleading and begging like so many of us do, right? A lot of us, that's how, what our prayers are. They're just, we're just trying to plead with God. We're trying to beg God to do that. Instead, go to him based upon his words. Do something like this, God, I'm low on resources. But I read in Matthew 14 how you fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. God, would you multiply that same kind of provision for my family right now? In Philippians 4, 19, you said that you would supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And so, God, I'm asking that you would open my eyes to the provisions that you've already provided for me. See what I'm doing? All I'm doing is taking what God has said, his will and his promises, and now I'm just saying, okay, God, this is what you said. And this is how I'm going to pray, that I pray um, audaciously from that perspective. We've got to stop taking this perspective. We have to plead with God or beg God to do something as if he doesn't know what's going on in our lives. We've got to stop taking this stance with God that God actually is trying to withhold things from you. Instead of looking him at as a good, good father. The one who loves to provide and take care of his kids. The one who wants to step in and intervene. So many times, almost always... Your fight is never against God. So often we're trying to strong arm God to get God to do something, and God's wanting to do something. There's other forces that's keeping it from happening. That's where prayer becomes effective. That's where you push through those things. And so instead of trying to beg God and, and trying to plead with him, we need to start and go out and find what his will is about that situation that you're confronted confronted with. Find what he's already said, what he's already done. And then from that stance, begin to declare, begin to proclaim, begin to pray audaciously. When you look at Joshua's sun stand still audacious prayer, I think it's so easy to focus on what he prayed. Look at this in Joshua 10 verse 12. It says, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. It's an amazing prayer, isn't it? That the sun would stand still, that the moon would stand still, that time would stop so that this fight would be able to be completed there. It's an amazing, it's an audacious prayer. But the reason why Joshua could be so confident, the reason why he could be so audacious with his faith is because of what God had already said. Look at this in verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. See, Joshua's audacious prayer wasn't some grand, wishful, pie-in-the-sky type thought that he was lobbing up as some sort of Hail Mary pass to try to get something done. No, it was in response to what God had already said. That's the reason why he was able to be audacious. God had already spoken. This is what he wanted to happen. And the reason why he was confidently able to, to pray this wasn't because of something he just thought up of that would be, oh, it wouldn't be this cool if God would just stop time. No, he knew what God said. And it wasn't going to happen unless the day would stop. And that's why he was able to pray confidently with audacious faith. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, faith is not something that you have to produce. Faith is not something that you really have to try hard at doing. Faith is not coming up with some pie-in-the-sky thought that sounds spiritually good, that will tickle other people's ears. That's not what audacious faith is. Faith is a responsive act to what God is speaking. Faith comes by hearing God speak to you into your situation. Because when you hear God speak to you in the situation that's in, all of a sudden things change inside of you. Many of you know that I pastored in Wisconsin for 14 years. And when I lived and pastored there in Wisconsin, um, there was this corridor between two cities. And 
um, I always had to drive this corridor because of different th reasons. So I'd probably pass go on the drive on this corridor um, probably at least once a week. And and every time I would drive on this corridor, there was a plot of land that I'd look at. And for I don't know why I had this thought, but I had this thought that this would be a perfect place to build a church. And count it as your pastor, and that's what you think. But it was strange to me that this wasn't the city I was living in. It was about 20 miles away, but I had to pass this way. And I, I, for whatever, my eyes were always drawn to this plot of land. And I just had this random thought that this would be a great place to build a church. And so every time I would drive this way, I would, that thought would just come to me. And for six years, I would have that thought. But in that sixth year, I, during, the, during the month of October, I was driving down that that quarter, like I usually always done once a week, and I, I saw that piece of land, and, and again, I had that thought. This would be a great place to build a church. And as soon as that thought came, another thought came in, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do something about it. And I knew it was God, and as soon as he spoke those words, the idea was filled with that I needed to start praying and plant a church here in this area. Just from those words, God just released something inside of me. Now, you need to understand context here. We had just built a 32,000 square foot brand new building in the city that I lived in. We just finished it in April. I had this thought in October. I came back home and told my wife that, and she said, I'm leaving you. <laughs> she didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that. But she said, there's no way. There is no way. We just spent two years with our church building a brand new church building, and there's just no way that that's a possibility. And so the great man of faith that I did, I just, boom, did nothing. <laughs> um, and just let it sit there for probably another six months. But I could not get away from it. God spoke that inside of me to do something. And even though it was not logical, there was no, I had no resource to do it. I didn't have the money to do it. I didn't have the people to do it. I knew this was going to be, this would be hard for people. My wife showed me it was going to be hard for people to embrace I, I, I knew all that. We didn't have a location. We didn't have any of those types of things. But because God spoke that, faith was rising inside of me. And so I eventually began to share that as an idea of planting a church. And God began to make a way. And 14 months later, we were able to plant a church with, with starting with 227 people right there. Now, I am not the best of... Um, people that can just make things happen, you know? I, I know that God spoke something to me, and as a result, confidence and faith began to rise up in me, and God began to open doors. Now, nothing, I've learned this. Most things don't just drop in your lap. And that's the mistake most people get. Yes, God may have spoken something, but now movement happens. I had to get out and walk the streets and pray the streets and talk with people and, and look at how do we raise money. And we had, to, we had to pray this thing through. And there were many times where this probably shouldn't have happened in that process. But because we kept on moving this thing forward, God just opened away and opened away and opened away. And, and here's the thing you need to understand. When God speaks something, when God, when God says something, there is a way forward. It may not be completely crystal clear, but there is a way forward, which means that there's provision for it. There's the people for that dream or whatever that God drops inside of your head. Audacious faith. Let me say it again. Audacious faith comes by hearing God speak to you. Audacious faith. It doesn't come from you just trying to grab a, a great idea or a great dream. Audacious faith is a responsive act to God speaking, which means then we have to cultivate a listening ear to the voice of God. I believe this so much that in, in a couple of months, we're going to do a whole series on hearing the voice of God because we all need to increase our ability to hear God speak because he is speaking. Okay, he is not silent, he is speaking, and he created you for a purpose. He created you intentionally, and so he's been trying to show you all along what you're created for and these things that he would have you to do in your life, but there are so many voices out there that crowd out his voice, so we have to learn 
how to cultivate the voice of God, be able to learn how to hear the voice of God more and more and more and more. And so we'll do a whole series on that. But in the meantime, reading your Bible every day is probably the absolute number one thing that you can do to cultivate a listening ear to the voice of God. Reading your Bible every day is probably the number one thing that you can do to cultivate a listening ear to the voice of God. I know there's nothing grand or flashy about that statement, but it is absolutely true. Folks, I just had this conversation with my oldest son a couple weeks ago, and he was just asking me, Dad, well, I I know I need to read my Bible, but why? Why do I? Because I find it so boring. My 19-year-old, I find it so boring. And a lot of us do the same thing, right? But let me tell you why, this is why I told my son, this is why it's so important for you to read a Bible every single day, and that is, the more you read God's Word, this is His Word, by the way, this aren't just stories, this isn't just printed on paper as good thoughts or history lessons, but these are God's words, Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E, basic. God gives us these instructions before we leave this planet, this planet Earth. And so the more you read your Bible, the more you're going to become familiar with his ways. The more you're going to be familiar with what he has done and what he is doing. Which means the more you are familiarized with that, the more you'll be familiar when he starts speaking. Because he is speaking, because all these voices are crowding out his voice. And it's hard right now for some of you because you are are, are unable to distinguish his voice. And so you pass it off as something else. You pass it off as just leftover pizza from the night before. You, You pass it off as just, you know, random things. Or you don't even hear it. You don't even hear it or consider it because it's that still small voice. The more you read his word, the more it will familiarize yourself with his voice. And then a second must, nothing profound here, is prayer. Prayer. Because prayer is supposed to be a continual conversation with God. Now, did you hear what I just said? I said a conversation, not a monologue. A monologue is not prayer, folks. That's just ritual rhetoric that's coming out of your mouth trying to make you sound good. But prayer is supposed to be a continual conversation with God. And what is a conversation? A conversation is where you speak and you listen to what the other person is saying. You speak and you listen. That's a conversation. For a lot of us, our relationship with God is one way. We're doing all the speaking have you ever had a friend, you don't have to name them, but have you ever had a friend that all they do is talk, 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 talk? It's hard to have a friendship with that type of person, isn't it? Because you need, you just need, to, be, you need to be quiet. You know, you just need to listen. We struggle with friendships that way, but yet, isn't that exactly what we do with God? We're doing all the talking, 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 talking. Okay, God, I'm done, and I leave. And then I leave him in that closet and I never have another conversation with him until I get back into that, maybe that closet again. I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk, I beg, I beg, beg, I plead, I plead, I plead. Then I leave that closet and that's not prayer, folks. Prayer is a continual conversation with God. And so you're talking with God, not in some spiritual language, you know, that makes it sound good, but just being normal, just having a conversation like we're having here this morning and then stopping to listen. Listen and then talking, listen and talking. And the more you do that, it cultivates this listening ear to the voice of God. When we talk about cultivating a listening ear to the voice of God, worship has to be up there when you think about it. So many times in worship, it, it causes your heart to be tender. It drowns out a lot of other voices. So worship is one. Being planted in a local life-giving church is a, another thing. So many times I've been in a church service. The preacher may have been saying one thing, but God just... He highlights something else for me. He begins to speak to me in that situation. Having godly people in your life who can speak the truth to you in love is another way to help cultivate in you a listening. These are all fantastic ways to help cultivate a listening ear to God. But by far, reading your Bible every day and having a continual conversation with God are things that will cultivate a listening ear to God's voice. If you'll, those of you who have smartphones, if you'll um, text one chapel to 313131, um, it'll, it'll send you a link 
so you can get a one-year Bible. So that if you don't know where to start or how to do this, using the one-year Bible, most of your phones have a one-year app. You'll be able to download that. Or you can look at a plan. So if you'll just, if you'll just type the number 313131, and then the, in the message part, just type in one chapel, you'll get an immediate response that will give you a way to start using the one-year Bible. It's a great tool just to start, just to start um, reading your Bible every single day. Let me just say it again. Audacious faith is dependent upon hearing God's voice. It's dependent on you hearing God speak to you. Why? Because when God speaks to you something, confidence rises inside you. Boldness begins to rise inside you. I wish I had time. I would just tell you story after story after story after story that when God would speak to me, what follows always is this confidence to step out and do something. Your life is not about you trying to think what you should do. It's about being able to listen and to simply respond to what God has for you. That's where your life becomes audacious. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes here this morning. Father, I pray for every one of us here this morning. And I know here in the service that we're on all different places with you. That there's so much going on in our lives that some of us, we, we know you and we want you in our lives and others of us, you know, we're just here because we have to. It's church. Somebody made us come. Some of us have a long history of seeing you work in our lives and, and so faith was even stirred in our heart today as we talked about this. But then others of us, we, we don't have a long history. We, we, we have not seen you work. We haven't heard you speak into our life. We're not even sure that you do speak. And, and so, Father, you know all these differences. You know all these different things that are happening in each one of our lives. And I am just so incredibly grateful. I'm so overwhelmed knowing that you are speaking very specifically to each man and woman in regards to what's going on in their lives. You're highlighting things. You're bringing things to the surface. Father, I thank you that there is a stirring that's happening. And for so many of us, we've been just sitting, just sitting and waiting, passively just kind of going through life. But I thank you, God, that there's a stirring that's happening in so many people's hearts a stirring, this audacious thing that's stirring inside to launch people, to cause people to take these steps of faith, to engage and have this incredible boldness and, and courage to step out and to the things that you're beginning to percolate inside of them. And so, Father, I pray that, God, that even through today, through the rest of these moments here together, and as as we go on through this week, that God, there would be even a greater awareness of your presence in our life. It is true that you are with us. You don't forsake us. That you're right here with us. That we don't have to beg you to come. That you're right there. That we would engage in just this continual conversation with you throughout the week. That, that we, would, we would be able to talk with you just as a man does to another man. A woman does with another woman, just that we would be open and honest, that we wouldn't try using spiritual sounding words. But God, we would just engage you in our life and what's going on in our life. And then we would listen. We'd listen. We would seek you and what you're saying, what you're doing. So, Father, I pray that you just stir that up inside of every one of us. You know, as I was praying for this morning, earlier here this morning, I was just, God was just stirring in my heart again something that he dropped in my heart a, a couple weeks ago. We were doing First Wednesday down in Austin. And God just, God just spoke a word to me. It was just one word. And that word was succumb. And I think one of the things you need to know about God working with you and speaking to you is it's just so individual. How God speaks to me is different than how he's going to speak to you. And we need to learn how God speaks to us, how he interacts with us. And, and, 
you heard me share it before, but for me, when God, a lot of times he doesn't use a lot of words. A lot of times it's just a word, but filled with that word, it's filled with so much depth and meaning and understanding. And that's exactly what happened the other night. Because the word he spoke to me was succumb. And that word succumb means to give place to, give place to something that you deem to be of greater power. And as soon as he said that word succumb, I was just overwhelmed with the reality that so many of us have succumbed to so many different things. That we've succumbed to what we think are things that are greater. And so we've just given in. Whether you succumb to a sickness or you succumb to a diagnosis, you succumb to, well, this is just the way it is. You succumb to what's happening in your relationships, in your marriage, or with your kids, and you feel like that, it's just, it's just that power is too great. There's not an answer, there's not a solution, so you just succumb to what you thought was a greater power. And with that understanding that God gave me, he said a second word, and that second word was supplant. And the word supplant means to overcome with a superior power. It's an interesting kind of difference between succumb and to supplant. Succumb is I'm giving in because I think it's greater, so I give into it. Supplant means to be overcome by something that is a superior force. And God just spoke this, and he said, those things that you have succumbed to, I will supplant. And I don't know specifically what's going on in your life, but God just brought that back to my heart this morning as I was praying for this service, and I was praying for you. That those things that you have succumbed to, he will, he wants to supplant. And some of you need to know, need to hear that word because that's, that's what you can now run with. God wants to supplant what you have succumbed to. He is the, he is the superior force. It's not that he looks like or acts like, but he is the superior force. He's greater than everything that has been coming on in your life. He's, he's greater than all those things. And so, Father, I pray for everyone in this room who feels like they have succumbed to something, they have given in, whether it's be like the Jabez's whose life has just been predetermined because of their environment, because of what people have spoken over them. And, and life has just felt pressed down. It's limited. Lord, I pray that faith would arise, audacious faith would arise inside of the men and women here in this room. That they would no longer succumb to those voices that have been pushing them down. But God, that they would allow you to supplant, to take over control because you are that superior force. And so right where you are, I want to ask you just, can you just stand to your feet if you would, please? I want to ask you just to stand to your feet and just put your arms out. Because I, I believe God wants to stir inside of you something. That God wants where you have given up, where you have been hopeless, where you have been despondent and discouraged and you feel like there's, there's no answer, there's no solution. God wants to enter that place and he wants to supplant that thought and those feelings and that situation to change the trajectory of your life. And so just reach out to him and say, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. And I no longer want to succumb to these things that have been pushing me down, that have been overtaking me. These, these things, these habits, these addictions, these, these things that I keep falling into, these ways of thinking, these relationships that I keep succumbing into. This God, right now, I let that go. And I see you as that superior force. I see you as the superior force, able to, to overcome and override all those things 
that have tried to destroy my life. And so, Father, I pray, God, new life. Father, I pray, Father, for this the breath of your presence to breathe in those areas that have felt dead. That your presence would cause things to grow again, to cause life to form again. Why don't you just sing these words, take courage, my soul. Come on, Daniel, go ahead. Declare that over yourself. things differently here at the end. Usually we end with communion and it is still up front. And Petra, if you could have your, your team, um, just have two people there just to serve. Just have one with each. So two here and two there. And instead of just coming up in a line and doing things, I, I'm going to just ask you to, if if you feel stuck in something that you have succumbed to, if you feel like you're trying to figure out God's direction for your life and you want somebody to pray with you, the, the prayer team is just gonna be spread out here. And uh, I'm just gonna have them, if you guys come forward, just come on forward, all of you guys are on the prayer team here. And these men and women are just here to pray with you. They're also gonna be here to, to serve you communion as well. And so, if you want to come up and just take communion as part of your step faith, you can do that um, as you want. I'm not, I'm not going to organize it for you, all right? You can just do it. If you want somebody to pray with you and say, okay, I need, it. I need to take this step. I need to know what it is that God wants me to do, then they're here to pray with you and to pray over you here this morning. The worship team is just going to lead us in this song. There's more to the song, and I, I'm just going to let this kind of soak on you. You're welcome to be dismissed whenever you want to be dismissed because God's blessing is on you. I know he's speaking to so many of you here this morning. And so this is your formal benediction, but as well, you're, you're welcome to stay, stay, pray with somebody, take communion here together. All right, God bless you.